Hello everyone, welcome to Peas in a Pod Cast. I'm Nathan. I'm Sia. I'm Henry. I'm Subin. And we are a group of four students who are passionate about psychology. And we've come together like peas in a pod to discuss the world of psychology and the role it plays in our lives. In this episode, we're going to try and understand heuristics and biases. And yes, this, this vocab seems maybe alien to you, but we're going to try and break it down and, and reveal how, how essential or how influential these uh, two concepts are to our lives. So let me for a second just ask you, what are you thinking about right now? Right? And you may be thinking, oh, I'm, I'm listening to a group of people talk about psychology. That's, that's great. Thank you for that. But what are you not thinking about? And what if we were to tell you that there are about a thousand things that are going through your mind right now that you may not realize you are doing. You may not realize you're making thousands of decisions, important decisions, uh, mind you, but they're just going through your mind so fast, so automatic that you don't realize it. And I guess that is the main point of your six and biases. That's, that's very paradoxical what you said when you asked the, when you asked the question. What? What, are you, what are you not thinking about? Because as soon as you think about what you're not thinking about, then that becomes something you're thinking about. Oh, yeah. So Definitely. therefore, you can never really think about what you're not thinking about. Oh. Henry coming in with psychology. No, sorry, what's it? Ph- philosophical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, so... How, so, how, how, so Henry, can, can you tell us uh, maybe a definition of what heuristics really are? Or even Subin. Well, to first come up with heuristics, you have to know the two systems when we think. Um, the first one is called first system one thinking, which is um, which which will be used when you're trying to think very quickly, when you're um, thinking very with it very intuitively. While the second one, the, the system two thinking, is you using your energy a lot and. Trying to be logical and deliberate. There's a lot of rationalization when you know you, you use your system two thinking. Yeah, and for a very quick process of thinking in system one, we use something called heuristics, which is a mental shortcut based on our past experiences that allow us to uh, process memories or any information as best as possible when you're trying to approach a complex problem. Yeah, and both of these are part of the a quite famous dual processing model which uh, tries to uh, attempts to explain how we process information and then make decisions ba- based off of it or how maybe we take memory right how we take knowledge in our memory process it to, to make decisions like one thing we've discussed before is about schema right we take knowledge from uh, that is stored away in our schema in order to make more uh, more uh, effective decisions but with system one and system two thinking, it's more about processing that information. Yeah, um, it's not. Yeah. It's nothing about making how perfect we make the decision. It's more about how we quickly can make decision in a certain yeah. amount of time. When you're using heuristics, mm-hmm. and also definitely the accuracy of the that process yeah. information, right? Which is which causes cognitive bias. Yeah. And with system one and system two thinking, one system necessarily isn't better than the other, but rather you use each system in specific situations that depending on the context, you would you would choose one over the other. So as we stated before, system one thinking is 
quite automatic, quite, you know, intuition-based. And that saves us a lot of time and our, and that lessens our cognitive load, you know. And one of the biggest assumptions, or not assumptions, but rather, one of the biggest um, pieces, pieces of understandings in psychology is the fact that humans are what are what are known as cognitive misers Definitely. we like to you know we choose things we choose tasks that are less cognitively draining that requires less energy and i think that level of prioritization prioritization is quite important because when when we actually need to use system two thinking in very rational processes or very big decisions then that's where we want to divert most of our you know uh, most of our mental energy towards and those crucial decisions are have a much greater impact on our lives than those that require system one thinking and would you guys like to give some examples of system one and system two thinking or in think about situations or everyday situations in which we may use them or in or think of situations in which we may not use them i think like very immediately when you the first thing you wake up in the morning right you you move your body something so maybe insignificant but it's actually a decision being made you you move your body you stretch or you take your legs from the over the side of the bed and put them on the floor maybe wiggle them a bit and i i don't know you place them on the ground and you start start walking walking itself like uh on the ground i think system one thing can use more of like when you when you're about to go to school you know and let's say you have a choice of two two sneakers you wouldn't necessarily, I mean, depending on who you are, you wouldn't necessarily put a lot of energy or put a lot of effort into thinking, thinking about the effects of choosing one over the other, you know. Especially if, if two sneakers are both relatively similar, I guess. You and would you just, use frequently, you know, both like similarly frequently used. Yeah, you would rotate both of them. So you would just unconsciously just be like, or, or, or you could be like, hey, what did, I, what did I not wear tomorrow? What did, I, what did I wear yesterday? Oh, then I'll just pick the other one. You know, that's a very intuitive, very automatic yeah, it's all Click. based on your whole feeling that you just feel at that moment. Right, you wouldn't, you know, pull out a sheet of paper and do a pro and con analysis or do a analysis of cost-benefit analysis on which sneaker to wear to school in the yeah. morning. Yeah. On the other hand, a bigger decision like, I guess, making decisions on which college to go to may yeah. not be, I mean, for some people, it may not be as, but for some people it can, it may not be as intuitive, you know, you would really yeah. weigh out the the benefits you would look at what you what you're having to give up you know there's definitely more processing of information you have to willingly right, through right. effort and energy energy yeah. right as you mentioned like the the, the, the being cognitive misers we are um, we want to put in so minimal effort into uh, the decisions that are automatic or maybe a little bit more insignificant right. but if we if we spend every day you know using our system to thinking for very automatic for very like for activities such as which shoes yeah. to pick or you know uh which which cup to use to drink water from then when it comes to big decisions like deciding where you're, where the next where you can which college you're going to go for the next four years you won't have that mental energy that that you won't have sufficient cognitive load to rationalize it yeah yeah like, like think think about it for a second imagine if every single decision you made you like went through it through the almost all, all aspects of it yeah Try, try and weigh out all the sides try and make sure you're making the best possible decision it, it would be so taxing and I think impossible to do with time right, right. Yeah, our brain is just not that body, fast your brain can't really yeah. handle that, that amount of thinking and 
energy used. It's, it's quite ironic to you know be using system two thinking while thinking about how we <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so essentially we have to rely on system one thinking. It's important. It's not something you know to be ashamed of in a way, right? Yeah, it's, just because you think quick and you depend on it depends on intuitive doesn't mean it's not important. Yeah, yeah. like it's very. Yeah, but why don't we go deeply into more like how heuristics can, like what type of cognitive biases that we can observe that is derived by the heuristics? Yes. Yeah, why don't we do that? Yeah, so, so at, at the expense of that quick thinking or making so many decisions so efficiently and uh, well, right? These decisions are, are effective. We, we use them all the time. At the expense of that, there come moments when decisions aren't the not the best decisions are being made or they're like flat out wrong sometimes right like especially with maybe you uh, you forgot a small part and uh, a part of something and that affected the decision you made like going back to henry's example of picking the sneakers you forgot that yesterday uh, right at the end of the day when you were about about to go to uh, about to go to sleep um uh, you it's sorry not not about to go to sleep you just about to enter the house, you stepped in a, uh, a puddle of mud, right? That completely ruined the shoe. It looks extremely disgusting now. You forgot about it. In the morning, you intuitively just put it on and went to the, bu- and the bus to school, and now you're at school a bit embarrassed because you've got muddy sneakers, right? Yeah. That, that is something where you just overlooked something because you were doing it in haste. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. That, yeah, that is the bias that comes into these cognitive decisions because we're doing it with system one thinking. And one of the later cognitive bias that we can often observe is called peak and rule. Do you guys remember? Peak and peak and rule is basically saying that we like we have our past experiences and we judge our that past experience almost entirely on how they were at their peak. So whether how pleasant or unpleasant we felt at the peak and how that ended, we even the, the past experience that we had was mostly suffering. If we felt actually pleasant at the peak, it can change the whole um, conceptual understanding or feeling that we have, we have towards the past experience. So one of the example that I find is that, um, have you ever guys heard about Kahneman? 1993 study. It oh, was. Would you like to tell us more about it? Yeah, oh, please tell us more yeah. about it. Okay, so the experiment was asking participants to hold their hand up to the wrist in painfully cold water until they were allowed to remove it. So, um, participants were actually recorded how strong the pain was, um, with one finger being little to no pain and five fingers being in strong pain. So the participants experience were divided into two conditions. One condi- the first condition was um, the participants has to immerse their hand for 60 seconds at very cold water. And at the end of the 60 seconds, the experimenter is instructed the participants to take their hand out. But in second condition, um, the immersing duration got increased to 90 seconds. So first 60 seconds, they get the same um, um, temperature of the water, but at the end of 60 seconds, the researcher actually opened the valve so that it allows slightly warmer water to be in the colder water so that 
but actually the water temperature only increased about one degree. And what the researchers found out is that when they were asked to choose which condition you want to be at, 80% of participants were actually choosing the second condition, even though the water only increased about one degree, which will not gonna make any like difference in the degree of the pain that you want to feel. They still like to like they still prefer to have much slightly warmer water, even though it's not actually that warm. Mm. Like that, that's just the, the quick thinking that you know uh, when you especially when you're in pain, you just want to to switch over to something better, be it whether it's actually effective or not. Yeah. So I, yeah, it was a very um, it was the researcher was trying to observe that people's judgment on how unpleasant of the painful experience that you want to experience depends very little on the duration that you want to experience but rather how it ends that's why it's called peak and grow because even though how however the pain or duration that you have to experience depending on how it ends your feeling towards the past experience wholly changes and, and and I'm just like wondering here, do you think like because now they thought it was a bit warmer, the water, they were able to hold their hand in for much longer, right? Like maybe a mentality, like mind over body thing, right? So like processing of information is literally controlling your own biological limit, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's so, yeah, that, that's so crazy to think like the mind over body thing that this brain that is actually a cognitive miser, right, puts very little effort into thinking, has so much control over, like, your body and how you, how you feel with it. Right, so let's, let's bring our attention to another heuristic. I'm sure you guys have all heard of the availability heuristic. You know, it's, it's, when, it's when we, I guess a good way to describe the availability, the availability heuristic is to, you know, make a judgment or make, or, or you know, come to come to reasoning with a limited set of information you know rather than trying to as Nathan mentioned before think about what we don't know we just base our base our knowledge or base our judgment on things that we do know and that can sometimes that can sometimes be a fallacy so one 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 prime example of you know the availability heuristic is when you're when imagine you're a juror in court right and before even hearing about anything, uh, before hearing anything about the case, the um, a, a, a convicted person gets brought in, and that person has you know a lot of tattoos, a lot of piercings, and they entail a gangster sort of look. One of the first impressions, one of the first judgments that you'd be making is that this person definitely must be guilty, even before you have the full information or even the extent, even you know having. The complete knowledge to the extent of the crime, you know, yeah. you make a judgment. That's called the availability, the availability heuristic. Yeah. And think about people who are in that situation of, of judging a person's life, right? I guess that's why they take so many people at one time. But imagine, like, when you are in a mon- in a monarchy or in an, uh, an what is it, a top, an, um, authoritarian, yeah, authoritarian uh, ruling, authoritarian government. Like all that decision is put on one person, and how do you how do you 
like reduce the bias and and they and their use of heuristics. I, mean, I don't think it's about the person, rather, but rather you know, the decisions that the person makes. Rather, whether whether they use whether they use complete information or just picked out the available information and make a judgment from it. So maybe making sure they're using system two thinking, right? Right, right. right. And then having all the information, all, like unbiased Certainly. information, which is a different connection in itself. And I've I've read on the um, American psychology, um, I've read on I've read on um, Scientific American that to, um, Brenner, Kohler, and Tversky, these these group, this group of researchers conducted a study that involved the uh, that involved a bunch of students from uh, San Jose State University and Stanford University, and they were given you know they were given a court case, yeah. and. And for one of the experimental groups, they were told that, oh, you're only going to be getting one side of the story, whereas the other group was told that you'll be getting both sides of the story. And what happened was that the group that only received one side of the story still made, you know, a judgment, still made a decision on who they think is guilty, even when they were told. And oh, what and, and interesting that they found was that being told that they were only being presented with half the information or incomplete information certainly limits the 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 biased thinking that they fall under but it certainly doesn't but we're still far away from completely eliminating that bias mm. and that's that's kind of scary because one of the implications of that study is that the fact that in the modern world we have access to a lot of information we we if we wanted to can access information get complete get I mean not I wouldn't say complete information but sufficient information to um, to make a decision so it's just a matter of whether whether we were willing to get get the full idea of a situation or not now, now this this example of Henry's is quite a hypothetical scenario right so we, we want to maybe like give, give an example that is uh, maybe more relatable for uh, an audience. So, for example, we have this. There's this other study, right, Subin, about Kruger from yeah, two, from 2004, called uh, the, on on the effort heuristic. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, effort heuristics is. Um, let's say you're a student and you prepared for a test so hard on that day, but then you end up getting a B or a D. Um, but then you see another friend who hasn't studied much, but then your friend get ends up getting an A. And you think this is wrong, and that's exactly what the effort heuristics is. Effort heuristics is basically um, valuing something more that you have put more effort into. And Kruger's study in two thousand four investigates about the effort heuristics. Basically, what he did is he gathered up the students, uh, gathered up the participants, and then he showed two different artwork of of an artist, and manipulate the time that ta- that took to finish the, the artworks and ask the participants to rate the artistic value of the two artworks. The result basically said that the participants tend to value um, the artworks that took more effort than the artwork that has it that, that, that put less amount of effort. They they saw time as a variable. So if, yes. if they if they like whichever painting they were told, it, it, regardless of because the two the two time values given for the paintings weren't correct at all. 
right? They were just, yeah, arbit- they were just arbit- they were arbitrary. They weren't yeah. the real time time that was taken to paint the paintings. But because a painting was said to have taken longer, it was valued more. That that was taken as like more effort has been put into this because it's been painted for longer, and hence it should be of more value. That that was like the quick decision that was made, rather than maybe going through the intricacies of the design of the painting and yeah. the the style and level of detail and and maybe the topic of the painting itself, like what is, what is its content, what but, is the significance. But would, wouldn't you say, would, would, but with the with the assumption that oh, if someone spent a lot of time on it, it may be more valuable. Like, wouldn't that assumption, you know, does that assumption, is that assumption necessarily wrong? Is that, is that assumption necessarily bad? It's not that, bad, but... That, yeah, that's the thing with this. Neither, neither, neither decision is bad or good. It's just which one is being, or which, has more bias in it, right? Yeah, because even if you put less effort, it can still be in good quality. And even if it's, even if it took a very long time to finish, it may be in bad quality. Maybe we're just so used to the the notion that oh, or, or what's normally accepted or the norm is that if someone puts a lot of effort into it, it's a better work or it's a more yeah. valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, in in most cases that applies, but yes, obviously the the experiment found that it doesn't apply to all situations, you know, and sometimes. It's the it's the it's the perception of effort that really determines the value, rather than taking it for what it is. And we're, we're a step closer to the truth if we, you know, value the paintings for what it is, rather than the amount of time that the amount of time that it may have taken. Yeah, like 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 we mentioned before, like system one and system two can both get to the truth, or maybe the the a, a good decision. It's just that system one is uh, thinking produces in, uh, decisions that are maybe have, uh, have have a greater tendency, tendency to be biased uh, yeah. through these, through these uh, heuristics that we have mentioned. And it's also pretty ironic that even though we say that, oh, biased decision-making shouldn't occur, we still cannot escape from biased decision-making. Yeah, yeah it's that's a wonderful point. point. Yeah. It's inescapable and I think that just shows how essential it is to our lives. It just shows how important it is to be aware of such biases that may exist. Yeah, I mean, bias, I wouldn't say bias is a bad thing. Oh, we're we're getting into the the theory of knowledge part of this, which we know we're trying to avoid. We love the okay. Yeah, and also, a lot of heuristics are commonly actually used in business marketing. For example, like packaging. We use, like, um, Brand logos and a lot of catchy phrases like catchy colors, and that actually allows us to just quickly think and just quickly feel attraction towards certain product, even though we don't really know about what it is. And even though the product may not be as as good as we as good as we you know assume it is. And also like having captions like since nineteen. 19- 82 that yeah. gives that is that's the heuristic right there yeah right? that's the heuristic so you can see they commonly see in business marketings yeah because so, the customers will get the will think that they've been putting efforts since that since ever since that was the company was created so the next time you're in a in a grocery aisle or the next time you're in a shopping mall or the next time you're grading your own paper you know for for a certain class as a self assessment Maybe think about the biases that are influencing the decisions you're making and uh, try and make a more accurate, processed response. Unbiased. Yeah, unbiased. Unbiased. Yeah.
Well, thank you again for joining us on this interesting discussion on uh, heuristics and biases and how they um, influence our thinking. We'll see you again next time for our psychology podcast. This has been Peas in the Pod. Cast. Cast. See you later.